What if we did this on OnlyFans? I, I was only halfway joking when I said it. We just have to be doing this with our nits out. <laughs> you imagine me explaining that to advertisers? So what what platform are you guys really hitting hard these days? OnlyFans. <laughs> Not what you think. I'm going to surprise you. <laughs> nice. I like the hair flip. Get All right. Game. Get the game. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, welcome, welcome back to the S3 Magazine podcast. As always, I'm Mike Sanders. That's Jonathan Woolley. Uh, today, we're going to kind of throw it back a little bit. So earlier today, Woolley posted up an old school feature that we ran probably like, man, I don't know what, 10, 12 years ago of our buddy Joe Schneider, one of his uh, his badass civic hatches from way back in the day it was yellow it was gnarly the photo shoot was really really cool and joe just had a baby recently actually literally yesterday the day before so it was kind of our little way of saying congratulations to him um you're awesome buddy we love you but in the process of doing this we kind of it kind of brought up some some old memories of the way that we feature cars and as you guys probably know i'm the business end of the magazine woolly is the creative side the artistic side he's the one that picks pretty much all the cars that we feature and the path that we're going down whenever we're showing awesome shit so woolly i know you've picked a lot of controversial cars a lot of cool cars a lot of cars that kind of fit both of those categories throughout the years so what do you look for when you're when you're picking a feature car man yeah i don't <clears throat> i don't i don't know is the thing i just it's just a feeling like you just kind of do it. And then we were looking back, me and you right now, before we did this podcast, and we were like, man, wow, there really is like, we pick feature cars differently. And I never really thought about it like that. There's never been a formula. There's never been a scheme. There's never been, you know, a battle plan. It's just been shit that inspires me in some way. The, you know, it's kind of weird. Like, I think the test is like the kind of like, oh, I want that. You know what I mean? Like, if it kind of hits me in that kind of way to where it's like, man, you know, oh, I, you got me wanting to get one of these now. Um, or if the story is good behind the car, if the owner is, if he gets it, you know, in some sort of unexplainable way. I don't know what that means until I hear it. But usually you kind of, find a car, you have a conversation with somebody, you end up going, yo, this could literally lead an entire issue back when we were printing. You know what I mean? Like, this is now a theme that I can run with for a season. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that's kind of what it was. Um, and Joe Schneider's Yellow Civic was one of those cars, dude. Like, it was, it was 2011, so I guess it was, what, 12 years ago now, almost. Um, we were at the IBOC meet in California. Um, I had just gotten married at the time. I remember that. And, uh, and I don't know, man, we were just there with buddies. Like we brought some buddies with us. We met up with some buddies. It was our first time there. You go to IBOC, which is the West Coast, best of the best Hondas. The West Coast kind of led the scene at that point. You know what I mean? And so, you were walking by cars that were absolutely, if you had a checklist, were perfect. Everything was there. Everything was there. Mm -hmm. And I wrote this in the article. It was like, but they all were the freaking same. You know what I mean? Like, they were all the same. 
And then there was Joe Schneider's freaking yellow Civic. And it was exactly what S3 was at that time. It was, it was rough around the edges, but it was like authentic as shit. It was the real deal. You know, Joe Schneider standing next to it. He didn't know who we were at this point. He's not trying to suck up or anything like that. He was just being him. And he's just cool and old school Southern California. You know what I mean? Like he had that kind of grit to him and full of tattoos and explicit shirts on and like the whole deal. Like this guy was what Honda culture should be. And at the time in 2008, Honda culture had become very... Um, uh jdm driven it had become uh, kind of full of itself kind of a checklist and like joe schneider was like the antithesis of all of that like i've always felt that hondas need to be raw hondas need to be gritty there is so much in common with like a 90s honda hatch tuner and like an original hot rodder like it's the same shit like these cars were simplistic they were driver's cars. They're easy to swap parts and just put blingy, badass parts in it. Like, I always thought that that trying to check off your little JDM list, if you, you were hurting yourself. You weren't putting your spin on it, your personality. And that's what Joe did. And that's what we gravitated to. And Joe was cool as shit. I don't even remember how it happened at the time. Um, you got to, you know, for you guys listening, 2011, like, we were partying hard still in those eras. And I don't really know. I get my years confused. Was that the year we were at Palm Beach? Because that was an awkward year. Or was that was that the same year? Uh, no, I think that was a different year. The, this Eibach meet was where we went and met up with a homeboy from Skunk 2. And I think that was how we, how we kind of hooked up with Joe Schneider was the Skunk 2 connection. Okay. I remember Nick Weir from Seen It was there. Mm -hmm. um and and so yeah we were having a good old time anyway for joe invited us over to his house in the back of his house he had kind of a big detached garage it was called the compound mm -hmm. and and it was basically a bunch of hondas like a ping pong table a couch and like a fridge of beer and like that was it he was like come on over man we'll get some food we'll drink some beer we'll hang out and we're like okay cool and it just started a friendship that lasts to this day and that's what this should all be about, like, you guys, like, that, not tooting our own horn, but, like, that is authentic media. That's as real as it gets. Like, we went out there, we found this guy that was kind of the real deal, and, and look, man, it led to a friendship that's been 12 years long or whatever, and, and yeah, we don't see each other all the time, but, like, there's a bond there. Um, and that's what it was. I remember... You know, you mentioned it before we did this podcast, that Mark III GTI that we did, that the cover said Hood Rat or something like that. And, like, I didn't think about it at the time. There was no strategy there. But looking back, it was, like, super significant. This car was kind of just, it, it's just kind of like a hood ride. It was a junkyard bill. It was a Mark III. It was slammed on Gotti wheels. It had, like, was it a rusted hood or was it, like, an home airbrush there was like stuff going on on this car it was absolutely barn built mark 3 gti but it was oozing with like <laughs> charisma you know what i mean and like we saw it at at sowo back in the day and we were like 
this would make a cool feature car. But it was like a joke. It was like, nah, you can't do that. And I was like, the hell we can't, you know? And it was like, let's freaking do it. And that car caused us a lot of shit. Like the powers that be, you know, the scene kids of the time were like, look at this hack job of a magazine. I can't believe they would put a car with a rusted hood on the cover. And, you know, and it, but, and you got to understand, this was like 2008, something like that. And um, the thing is, the other half of people, you know what I mean? It was that other half that was like, wait a second, this is fucking awesome that they would put this car on a cover because this is our magazine. This is the magazine of the people. This is no longer the Southern California Cool Kids Club magazines that are just featuring their boys so their boys can get parts and it turns into this whole little circle jerk. Like this was just real deal. You know, like we were struggling. This kid like made mountains out of molehills and and we just all and it just it was what the scene was about. Um, so in hindsight, that really gave us legs like that kind of gave us our voice in a way. You know what I mean? Like we didn't realize it at the time. But afterwards, we realized, wait, there is something unique to what we're doing that nobody else is doing. And we're not even doing it on purpose. It's just what we're doing. It's just kind of who we are at the time. Yeah. And to be honest, that car kind of started that that feature car started a little bit of a movement yes it started the movement of let's everybody hate on s3 because those guys don't know shit about cars but it was the first time that a car with a purposely rusted out hood was ever put on it featured in a magazine much less put on cover of a magazine and started a whole trend whether or not that trend was a good thing i don't know but of people you know on purpose for artistic purposes rusting pieces of their car and doing that kind of stuff. So, hey, for better or for worse, it started something. It got people interested enough to actually do something to their cars. So, I mean, and, and that's why we do this, because we want people to feel something. We want people to feel a certain way when they see and drive cars and, and have fun with it. Um, I also feel like we kind of went way out of our way to be different than the other magazines that we kind of like liked but didn't really respect i guess is the way to put it um like d sport those guys are cool but they they featured the nerdy side of things they wanted the fastest cars that put out the best numbers and a lot of times were dino queens super yeah. street was really just looking to hook up their advertisers whoever had the most gritty parts won the feature you know um uh honda tuning is kind of exactly what you were talking about with most of the guys from like all those cars were exactly the same it's like this one's green oh but this one's blue but they were all the same um and i feel like we kind of we we looked for those cars that inspired and gave drive like like we always talk about this whenever we leave a car show pretty much every single time because i'm really bad about this i fell in love with a car and it's normally a cool car that was near our booth that i had to sit there and kind of look at for hours on end every single day and just be like that car that mrt2 over there man that thing is oh my god something about it and it would make me go home and search facebook marketplace to try to find one of those damn things that's kind of what we look for we want to inspire people whenever we find features we want people to finish reading it like i feel like so many people only read features of the same platform of car that they already own like if you're a drift guy you're going to read the features of s13s right but we want our features for anybody to read it and go dang i should go get one of those yeah I hate that about social media because it is 
subcultured and subcultured and subcultured the car culture, right? <laughs> like it's put everybody in these little pages and cubby holes. And I hate that about it because it was never about, I love drifting. I love Hondas. I love all that stuff. But like, that's the thing, man. I think that we should all be into all of that stuff. And people get so stuck in their own tiny little genre. It gets so annoying. But at, back in the day, I was going to say, see, like, I'm a psych major. Like, it's different for S3. Like, we always went after the person. The Southern California magazines at the time, which, by the way, if you guys don't know, they're all owned by the same damn company, except for D-Sport. At least those guys were outlaws. They came from that same big company, and they got pissed off and then started their own magazine. So mm -hmm. while, yes, they were engineers, they are engineers, they're numbers guys, they want to go real fast in a half mile or whatever it is, but, like, they had the same attitude. But, like, we were on the other side of the spectrum. We were drawn to the owner. Like the car was secondary. If I found the owner interesting and, and I, I saw the owner in the car, like that's what it was for me. Like that's what inspired me. And the other thing is we were mad. Like we were we were independent, we were struggling, and and we were mad at these Southern California conglomerate magazines that had it easy. That was, I mean, that was the bottom line. Like and and you're right, like the Honda tunings, man, like to me, I know a lot of people love it. They lost their damn way. Like they were they were trying to make Hondas into this elitist thing. They were trying to put them up here on a pedestal when the beauty of a Honda is it's down here. Like the fact that a Honda can be as raw and cool as it is mm -hmm. at a price point that's actually like, you know, engageable is is awesome. That's the beauty. I celebrate that. Like, that's cool. But nah, they got all stuck up their own asses with like the right JDM parts. And, and then they started, you know, like, we're up here, you're down here. We're, you know, and it's, I just, I wasn't about it. And that's kind of what, what drove S3 in those days, that 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, whatever kind of era. Um, and it's ultimately what led to the, to the yellow hatch, um, Joe Schneider's feature. I don't know. I mean, we've done that a lot throughout throughout the years. Mm -hmm. um, I also think we were kind of one of the first import magazines to go after off-road stuff. That's true. And that wasn't, it's not like me and Mike sit around and go, okay, where's the money? Let's follow the money. Maybe it's going this way. Well, no, we just we just got into it and we thought it was cool and we started going in that direction. And I remember thinking, man, we're going to get crucified for this. Like you can't put, you know, off-road cars in a tuner magazine. And, but we did and people freaking loved it, you know, and you yeah. find out, man, okay, okay. This isn't just a tuner magazine. This is like a mentality. This is like a generation. This is like an attitude and it crosses. It doesn't matter if you're messing with a, freaking Tacoma or a Honda or whatever, like, it's just the same kind of attitude that we share. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and if you guys want to fact check us on that or whatever, if you look back, we were probably about two years early on the whole overlanding thing. So, I mean, we, we just do what we personally think is cool. The fact is, Wooly went and bought a Jeep, got bit by the bug, and then forced it in the magazine. 
And I remember I was not on board with it. I was one of those guys that was like, guy, dude, this, this might be just a little bit too far. And he was like, well, too bad. Cause it's already been sent to the printer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I remember one of them Barracuda old ad salespeople uh, from, mm. from 10 or source Energy, whoever it was at the time got us liquored up and was like, Hey, Hey, do you, th what do you think about off road? And I was like, been doing it for five years. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know, man. That's just kind of, there's no, there's no wisdom in this. We just kind of do what we're into and we're kind of diehard car people who like that stuff that's behind the car. The car is just the surface. If this is about cars for you, you're not going to be doing this long. You know what I mean? Like you're, you're going to fade out just know that now and uh and and you're gonna move on be, but if this is if this goes deeper and the cars are just the ticket into the culture you know what i mean that like that's kind of what we've always how we've kind of approached it and it worked well we printed way longer than probably we should have been able to print mm -hmm. that's true you know what really describes the way that we feature cars hmm. that stupid hat that you're wearing <laughs> show, them the other, show them the other side. Oh yeah. That, by the way, this was before the Taylor Swift song. This one's vintage. And then it says, "Hair's <laughs> gonna hate, but fuck them. But fuck them." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't. We've always kind of looked for that sweet spot, right? There's like, a, and we've talked about this a lot, especially as of recently, like. The sweet spot between owner and car and a car that's not <laughs> so far gone that it alienates your audience, but that it's it's actually relatable enough that it draws people in. The whole mm -hmm. point of media is to reach out there and draw more people into this. Um, I think that and with social media, it's especially just crazy. But, um, you know, building these cars that are so far out of reach. And it can be either way. It can be a stance car that's completely not freaking drivable. Or it can be, you know, a, a half mile car, you know, like a GTR that makes 1700 horsepower and, and goes 220 miles an hour and a half mile, whatever it is. Like everybody's trying to outdo each other, man. And every time that there's a new model car drop, it's not but like one week before some shop has gone completely overboard <clears throat> and spent six figures on something using friends in their industry, you know, to get parts and stuff to build something that you can never build. And it doesn't make you want to build it. It makes you want to quit, you know, and mm -hmm. it's just like S3 has always looked for that sweet spot. I think that social media has killed the sweet spot and, uh, and, and, and thus killed the culture in a lot of ways. I mean, what we're seeing online is not, Reality, it's not. There's something to be said for a 300 horsepower hot hatch. It's a lot of fun. It just sucks for social media algorithms because it's not at the total extreme, you know? But like, yeah. you're gonna live car, car culture, you gotta actually be able to live it if the car's sitting at a shop for 12 or 11 months a year. It's not, it's not what it's about. Yeah, and that, that has a lot to do with the, like, why you don't see these cars on the street anymore. Like, I, I know that a lot of our younger audience, they don't understand this because they never saw it. But when we were growing up, 
when I was in high school and you were in high school, like modified tuner cars were running around all over the place. You couldn't go to a, a stoplight without seeing one somewhere in the intersection. And now they're nowhere to be found. And it's one because people just aren't inspired enough to get them because like you said, social media kind of kills it uh, before it even has the chance to be obtainable to you. And then on top of that, my question has always been like, where did all the cars go that were out there? And I think a lot of that has to do with the sweet spot too. Coming from a guy who's gone past the sweet spot several times with cars, because it's, it's, I'm really bad about this, man. I'm addicted to faster, 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 more, more, push the envelope, push the envelope. And every car absolutely has a sweet spot. And once you pass it, it's done. It's done, man. The car is no longer enjoyable. Sometimes you can save it. I saved it with that Mustang that I have. I took that car too far and it was no longer fun to drive. It was a hassle. It was just a giant pain in the ass. And I was able to change a couple of things and make the car drivable and fun again. Thank God. Um, but there have been a couple times where I've gone too far and just ruined a car. And I think that's probably what happened to a lot of these, like, especially the old school Honda guys. I think a lot of them kind of subscribed to that, that Honda tuner mentality a little bit too much. They made the cars too nice. And then you end up with this car that really is not in the grand scheme of like the world. It's not very valuable to most people, but within that tiny little inner circle, probably very sought after, very rare, very valuable and expensive. And so you shove that thing in the back of the garage and you kind of forget about it because you're too damn scared to drive it. You know, it's, it's gone past the sweet spot. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't know, man, that's something that I, I've never, I've always been in touch with that. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to explain, but like, I just kind of feel it when a car is at that sweet spot and it's like man this is good and people are like are you gonna do this and this and that i don't know why you know what i mean like why why am i gonna do that i don't know i remember one time yeah watching somebody i don't remember if it was ia or if it was nopi or where we were but like this guy put on gloves every time he moved his car because he had some sort of mugen steering wheel or something <laughs> exactly i'm like dude like, come on. This is supposed to be fun. Like, this is a, it's a Honda. You're, it's a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, it's, it's dumb. Um, and I don't, I don't get social media. I haven't figured this out yet. So this is probably for a different podcast. I don't understand how you can have a Hoonigan video with 6 million views. Yet you can go out to any mall boulevard intersection and, and do what we call like the lawn chair test. Just throw out a lawn chair and sit at the intersection and watch. It's fucking quiet. You know what I mean? Like it is not the way it was 20 years ago or whatever, where like every time that light changed, you heard cars ripping, you know, and going. Yeah. It was much more a part of the mainstream culture and it's not anymore. Um, so something is failing, right? I don't know what it is. I know everybody's super attached to their views and their subscribers and their numbers. I don't know if if it's the audience or what it is, but there is some sort of lack of translation between these giant numbers that people are getting in automotive media these days, but the fact that automotive enthusiasts are shrinking. I mean, you yeah. can't deny that. Look at the automotive industry. Look at the cars that are kind of coming out. Look at 
the cars that you see on the road. I mean, it, just look in the real world. It's not out there like it was. So either the cars have gotten so nice and past the sweet spot to where they're all in garages and these dudes are just driving trucks every day, or there's some sort of misconnect between the glamorous shit that we're seeing on YouTube and people are seeing it, but they're not playing the game. They're not realizing that this is something that they can do. And a lot of that goes back to the sweet spot. But if you're a YouTuber and, you know, if we make a YouTube channel on my Fiesta ST that makes 300 horsepower, which, by the way, is radical in rips, that YouTube channel is going to do shit. It's not going to work. You know what I mean? Because we're not not Ken Block. You know what I mean? If you're talking about Fiesta STs, like, that's the one that everybody goes to. That's the one with all the views. So... I don't know, man. Like, I think, how do you make an entire freaking generation of people realize that the sweet spot is actually where it's at, not all this glamorous YouTube stuff that they're seeing? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's really easy for people to live vicariously from behind the computer screen behind the phone screen right and then they feel like they're part of it because they understand what's happening and they can explain it to their friends and oh he's this guy and he did this and this is what he's doing in that car right now because i used to be part of that but i'm not anymore now i just kind of partake like this um but what you're missing whenever you do it from behind the screen is that visceral physical experience and it just kind of becomes numb and and that's what i wish people would get back to let's get back to driving again not just driving again but driving visceral fun cars like i could probably count on two hands how many vehicles with automatic transmissions we featured in the 17 years we've been doing this because yeah. it just doesn't are they faster sure do they shift faster sure do they make better drag cars yes do i care no yeah no I don't want to drive it, and therefore I don't want to feature it, okay? So that's just kind of the way it is. <laughs> it's like the definition of you're missing the point, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's yeah, it's dumb. Um, yeah. But anyway, I don't know. I guess we can get end on that note. I don't, I, it, it, I don't know what this is about, but, but, but hey, it's a podcast. It's a conversation. Yeah. So I yeah. Don't, you got anything else to say? No, nah, man, that's it. As always, guys, if you like the content that we make, you like the stuff that we say, you like the way that we say it, please check out the S3 Magazine app. Uh, you can get it on Apple. You can get it on Android. Just go to the store, check it out, type in S3 Magazine. We're right there. We love you. Have a good night, guys.